Hi everyone, thanks for joining me today. Sorry that I didn't make a podcast on Saturday. I got busy and just didn't have a chance. So I am catching up by making it here on Sunday. So this will be my study Saturday podcast. It's just a day late. Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. This is Creeds and Deeds. The Word of the Lord from Psalm 48. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king, within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic, they took to flight, trembling took hold of them there. Anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider her well her ramparts. Go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. This is the word of our Lord. Today's Advent reading is called called The Cradle and the Cross. My family loves Christmas. We enjoy decorating our home, not least with a tree adorned with beautiful ornaments. Over the years, we've acquired quite a collection of Christmas ornaments. Each one tells a story, reminding us of meaningful experiences and significant people throughout our lives. One ornament, the product of a first grader Sunday school class, brings up a happy childhood memories. Another ornament, a small rendition of Edinburgh Castle, prompts joyful reflection on a rich season of life when my wife and I lived in Scotland. Near that one hangs an ornament given to us by beloved family members who've since departed this valley of tears for a better country. As we hang these sentimental ornaments on our tree, they invite us to take a walk down memory lane. They also remind us of God's unwavering goodness, mercy, and faithfulness in Christ. However, There is one ornament in our collection that, more than others, stirs our affections. The ornament is in the shape of an 8-inch iron spike, like those used by Roman soldiers to nail Jesus to the cross. Before we place it on the tree, our family tradition is for each of us to hold it for a few moments as I recount the true meanings of Christmas. Worship Christ, the newborn baby, born to die upon the tree. Thorns and nails will one day pierce him, bearing wrath to set us free. 
Jesus was born and placed in a manger in Bethlehem so that one day he would die on a wooden cross in Jerusalem. The soft, tiny hands that clung to the Virgin Mary would one day be pierced through by sharp iron spikes. The infant brow tenderly caressed by Joseph would years later be brutally punctured by a crown of thorns. Newborn tears would in the future give way to soul-wrenching cries of anguish at Gethsemane and Calvary. Here's the point of Christmas. Here's the point. Christmas cannot be truly understood apart from the cross. Our meditations on the cradle must always find their way to the cross. God sent his eternal son into the world to be more than just a good example or a wise teacher. God sent him to perfectly fulfill the requirements of the law and then, as a righteous substitute, satisfy God's justice on Calvary. Christ bore God's wrath on the cursed tree, not for his own guilt, but for yours and mine. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. This is why Jesus came. To rescue us from what our sins deserve. Therefore, as you consider Jesus' birth this Advent season, don't forget about the cross. Jesus was born to die. May this truth stir up new measures of love, wonder, and praise this special time of year. Now all those who love and fear him, saved by grace through faith alone, kneel in humble adoration at his manger, at his throne. This was written by Dr. John D. Payne, who is a senior minister of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. He is the author of The Splendor of Holiness. New City Catechism, question 45. Question, is baptism with water the washing away of sin itself? Answer, no. Only the blood of Christ and the renewal of the Holy Spirit can cleanse us from sin. Scripture proof. Luke 3, verse 16. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, who the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right, let's get started with our study here. Um, I'm going to continue with what we were doing before I started the uh, daily, uh, what's it called, like the themes of each day. I'm just going to go ahead and start going or continue going through Romans 8 here. So today we're on Romans 8, 9 through 11. And uh, this study is called, or I'm going to call it uh, The Spirit is Life because we're going to be looking at um, what it means that the Spirit's given to us and how the Spirit gives us life. So let's get started. However, you are not in the spirit of flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
All right, as we do this, uh, before we get too far into this, I was just thinking, um, if you have the ability, you should pull out your Bibles and maybe some notes so that we can actually, or so you can study this out along with me here. It'll be way more beneficial for you if you're looking at a Bible. So the first thing, um, that was the scripture we just read. The next thing is the H in my shape study method, and that stands for hermeneutic. And so I'm just going to read, for the hermeneutic part, I'm going to read the uh, the my study notes here um, from my study Bible, and then you can uh, take from that for your hermeneutic part. So based on verse 10, the line, though the body is dead because of sin. So even a Christian's body is subject to physical death, the consequence of sin. Uh, Pretty much, you know, when we became Christians, we are freed from sin, but our bodies still do have that left in us like that uh the consequence of it that our physical bodies will die we still age and we still die and it's a result of sin so even though we're freed from sin we still have that effect in our body Uh, and then the next thing is the line the spirit is alive or a better translation would say the spirit is life um yeah so on this reading uh body is understood as in 724 which says that, uh, let me just find it here. So in 724, it says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And so this is just contrasting here that um, even though that our spirits are dead because we're still wretched sinners, or I'm sorry, even though that our bodies are dying, uh, our spirits are life. Our spirit is given, the spirit of Christ is given to us, which, bring, which gives us life, right? Um, yeah, and then because of righteousness. So this could be read, a lot of people would say, um, this is what the notes say. It says, because the spirit of the Christian has been justified, it is not subject to death as is his body. The Christian is indwelt by the life-giving spirit as a result of his justification. Um, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that because if we say, because it says, you know, the body or sorry, uh, the spirit is life because of righteousness, but we know that we can't do any righteous things. Basically what we've read, like Romans eight, one through right now, you can't do anything righteous apart from the spirit working in you. So I would say that this, because of righteousness, it refers to the fact that we are alive, we are alive because of Christ's righteousness, not because of any of our righteousness, but it's because of the Spirit's righteousness that's given to us through Christ that we are alive. Um, so then getting into 8.11, it says, uh, you see in 8.11 that there's this close connection between the resurrection of Christ and that of the believers. And to see that more in depth, you can see, you can look in 1 Corinthians 6, 14, 15, 20, 23, or in 15, 23, I mean, and then also in 2 Corinthians 4, 14, Philippians 32, 1, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. So you'll see in that, in chapter 811, or verse 811 there, it says also, give your life, give life to your mortal bodies. This resurrection of our bodies is guaranteed to believers by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, whose presence is indwelled or is evidenced by a spirit-controlled life, which in turn provides assurance that our resurrection is certain even now. 
So that's the uh, hermeneutic part, just kind of looking at what the context of it is and everything, seeing what it says. Um, a few more notes from the thing uh, that I'm, the, the study that I use to base this off of. Uh, first of all, in Romans 8.10, you see it says, if the Spirit is in you, Christ himself is in you. So if you look at 8 and 9, it says, the Spirit of God, right? Indeed, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, and then next it transitions, Paul transitions to, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, so he goes from Spirit of God to Spirit of Christ. And so through that, you see that he's talking about the same thing here. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are the same thing. Then he says in the in very beginning of 10, if Christ is in you, and so you see there that, okay, so he's talking once again about the same thing, but he calls it in Christ. And this actually, I think, this shows us the, um, the uh, uh, Trinity. So let's go look at John 14, verses 16 to 18. Let me just get there. All right, 14, 16 to 18 says, this is Jesus speaking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, which is the Holy Spirit, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, so the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because, and here it is, he abides with you and will be with you. So he lives with us, with them, and will be with them. So that would be Jesus, because Jesus at this time was still living with them, but he will be with them when Christ sends the Spirit. And then it says in 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So you see there that we can see the whole the Trinity really good here because you see that Christ is asking the Father to send the Spirit, but then he also refers to the Spirit as himself. And then if you look at Romans 8, it says the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and then Christ. And it's talking about the Spirit coming to indwell with us. So we see here that Jesus is acknowledging the fact that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all one. They're separate persons, but they're all one essence, one God. Um, all right, and then we see that uh, uh, your body will still die because of sin, which we talked about this a bit. So although we've been saved by sin, the effects of sin still inflict us. And if you look back at 10 again, it's just reminding us that we're not going to skip straight from being alive to suddenly being glorified with our resurrection body. There is still a physical death. Um, we still have to go through that physical death piece before we get to our glorified, resurrected state. Um, but the Spirit lives in you now because of the righteousness of Christ. And I wanted to refer on that back to uh, verses 1 through 4 of this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for, the, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, but who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you see there that the Spirit is referenced as being the one who causes us to walk in righteousness. 
So we don't receive the Spirit because we've been made righteous, but we receive the Spirit, which then makes us righteous. All right, and then, so you see, though, the big thing to see in these is, and I called this the, um, I called this thing the Spirit in you is life, or the Spirit is life. And so there's three things that you see in verses 9, 10, and 11 that the Spirit does in us. The first one is, is that the Spirit in us gives us victory over sin. You see that in verse 9, it says, if indeed the Spirit, or it says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit dwells in you. Um, So Spirit dwelling in us gives us victory over the sinful flesh. Second thing, if the Spirit is in you, you belong to Jesus. And you see that in verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the Spirit is dead, or the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Um, And, oh, I'm sorry, I read in the wrong spot. It's in 9. It says, uh, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if he doesn't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ, which implies that if you do have the Spirit, you belong to Jesus. So everyone who belongs to Jesus has the Spirit. Everyone who has the Spirit belongs to Jesus. That's your evidence of having the Spirit. And then the third thing is, is that the Spirit in you will raise you from the dead. And you see that in verse 11. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So God the Father is who raised Jesus from the dead, and he's going to give our mortal bodies life in eternity, a resurrection body, a perfect body, through the spirit who dwells in us. So the spirit that dwells in us now will one day in glorification give us life. All right, so... That was, uh, like I said, uh, that was the hermeneutic part. So now let's get into the application. How do we take these verses and apply them to our lives? So the first question to ask yourself, based on Romans 8.10, how do those who are in the Spirit experience life and death? So how do you experience life and death based on the fact that you're in the Spirit? And I would say that we experience it uh, different than the unbeliever. Because our lives have purpose now, and we know that our death is not eternal. We know that, first of all, there's a purpose to our lives, and the Spirit guides us and gives us a mission and helps us to live righteously. And that when we do die, no matter how we die, whether it's of old age or our head getting chopped off in an evil place or getting in a car accident, it's not final, and we will be resurrected to life. So that's... I think that's amazing, and that can cause us to live our lives a lot differently than the pagan unbelievers of the world because we know that we have a purpose and we have a time that's set to die and that we will never, and that we, death is not eternal. Okay, and then secondly, uh, in Romans 10, whose righteousness is Paul referring to and how do we know? So this is interesting because this can help you to have, understanding this will help you to have Um, better assurance of your salvation and understanding of who Christ is in your salvation. So it says in there, um, in verse 10, it says, yet the spirit is life because of righteousness. So it's saying that the spirit, because of Christ's righteousness, the spirit gives us life. The spirit is what enables us to have any righteousness. So it's saying, so I think Paul here is talking about 
Christ's righteousness. And we know this because we know that without Christ's righteousness, we can have no righteousness in our own. So it can't be talking about the Spirit giving us life because of our righteousness, because we have no righteousness outside of the Spirit. And that's important to understand, because if you understand that, that even your righteousness is by the Spirit giving it to you, then you can understand that there's nothing that you can do that will cause you to lose your salvation. If you're truly in Christ, if, you truly are, if he truly dwells in you, then nothing can take that away. All right, and then from Romans 8, 9 to 11, let's sum up the benefits of having God's Spirit living in us. So we kind of talked about that, but let's talk about it in our own lives. First of all, you've been enabled to have victory over sin. So now when you feel yourself being tempted with sin, with things going on in the world, with when you see the effects of sin, you can know that because of the Spirit, you have victory over that. So you can turn away from sin. You can choose to say no to sin. And if you believe that, then it can change how you live your life every day. The second thing is, is that to know that you belong to Jesus. Because if the Spirit's in you, then you know that you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, then what does it matter what the world thinks of you? What does it matter if your coworkers or your boss or your family or your friends uh, say negative things or talk behind your back or don't like you? Or what if you get fired or you get shunned by family? Like, does it matter? I would say no, because you know that Jesus, you belong to Jesus. And that's better than any of your worldly, you know, things that you want to belong to in the world. You don't need to feel like you belong in this world because you have something so greater, belonging to Jesus. And then the third one from, uh, uh, is the, um, the Spirit will raise us from the dead. And that goes back to what I was saying. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we know we're going to die. Our bodies are going to die. But we know that we'll be resurrected to glory perfect glory with our Savior Christ at the end times because this, because he says that he who raised Christ from the dead will raise us also in the Spirit. So, yeah. Uh, so remember, uh, John Piper's quote here was that our sins are forgiven completely, but the effects of sin will still afflict and even kill us. So that's true. No matter what, if you go through sickness, pain, financial trouble, heartbreak, uh, even death. We know that it happens because of the effects of sin, but we know that it's not forever. And we know that Christ loves us and Christ will resurrect us from the dead one day. Thank you for joining me today for uh, uh, study Saturday. And um, I hope to see you guys on Monday for uh, Martyr Monday. All right, the final two pieces of this study is prayer and evidences of grace. So what you should do with these is, for the prayer part is, is you should take the verses that we just read and what we talked about and turn them into a prayer for yourself. Um, I'm going to do that somewhat, but then the other part of it is, is asking God for the things that you need in your life and also thanking him and worshiping him for the evidences of grace that you have seen in your life. Uh, the things that he's taught you, the, the things that have been grace filled for you, the things that have helped you the last week. 
All right, so I'm going to pray for this, but I want you guys to go ahead and pray on your own also for your specific needs and your specific evidences of grace. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you that you've taken us out of the flesh and you've given us your spirit so that it dwells in us and that by it dwelling in us, we know that we belong to you, Jesus, and that you've given us life in your, in your spirit. And thank you, God, that your son gives us that life through his, res- through his death on the cross and resurrection. And God, we know that our bodies are dead because of sin and that we will face physical death one day. But we know that the spirit, that our spirits are alive through the spirit of Christ because of his righteousness on the cross. Thank you for that spirit that you've given us, God. And we confess to you all of the sins that we commit that causes our body to die. We confess each of those to you and we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness that we've corrupted this world and we've corrupted our bodies with sin. God, thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. That our, even though our bodies are corrupted, that you've given us his righteousness and that you've imputed to us that righteousness so that we're no longer seen as sinners, but we're seen as the righteousness of Christ. Thank you, God. And God, thank you that your spirit will also one day give life to our dead bodies through the resurrection and that we will be in with you in glory for all of eternity because you've promised to resurrect our dead bodies to perfect righteousness again. Thank you, God, for these verses that Paul wrote for the um, scripture that you gave us. And thank you for John Piper, who does, who's so um, uh, consistent with making the studies. And thank you for the study Bible that I was able to use for this. And thank you for all the people that listen to this podcast. God, each of those is an evidence of grace that you've given so many men in the world who have taken the time to study out your word and share it with us so that we can study it. And thank you for each of the people that listen to the podcast. Those are evidences of grace because having people to share my studies and stuff with has kept me so much more focused on prayer. God, thank you for each of these items. Thank you for everything. God, each of us lift up our praises to you. We lift up our evidences of graces to you to worship you. And we lift up all every need, every single need we have, how big or small it is. We lift it to you and ask you for your will to be done in that, God. Thank you, Lord, for, er- for everything you've done in us. And together with all the saints, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Creeds and Deeds today. Remember, I'm not ordained and I'm not a pastor. So if you're a Christian listening to my podcast, you need to be in church on Sunday.